0: Two years ago this month, Colin Kaepernick took a stand that by now we're all very familiar with. He took a knee in protest of social injustice and veterans rights. Now, when Cap took a knee, the establishment's response was, and I quote, stick to sports. People said the football field, really the arena of sports is not a place for protests. So why is it that? You know, just a few weeks ago, Arizona Cardinals general manager, Michael Bidwell endorsed a candidate for the Supreme court. What happened to stick to sports? What happened to the Cardinal rule that folks set when it came to Colin Kaepernick?
1: When does he get it? He doesn't. Why not? Because he broke the rules. What rules? We didn't see any rules. Did we Charlie? Wrong, Wrong, sir. Wrong. It's all there, black and white, clear as crystal. You lose. Good day, sir.
0: Stick to sports is a lie from the pits of hell brought to you by people who say things like Blue Lives Matter or All Lives Matter. And I can't think of a better example in terms of the Blue Lives Matter part because when it comes to sports, people confuse politics and patriotism with regularity. And here's the ugly truth of it all when it comes to All Lives Matter and Blue Lives Matter. The only thing those movements are in place to do is to silence black protests. But hey, this is just the pregame warm-up, y'all. You know, there's a lot more to come on this episode of Making a Difference.
1: To be a Negro Negro in this country and to be um, relatively conscious is to be in a state of rage almost almost all of the time you wonder why i spit the truth and not to make no dough
0: welcome to another episode of making a difference i'm your host ken Making, and i'm as shocked as you are that in 2018 we're still talking about the national anthem I mean i thought we all realized that this wasn't about the anthem this is about the cardinal rule and the cardinal rule in the united states of america is white supremacy point blank period that's why donald trump can you know bring up this issue and continue to rehash it you know at this at the expense of the nfl players you can call them sobs with impunity you have uh nfl team owners like jerry jones you know continuing to rehash this issue even as he you know doubles down and and essentially apologizes for the actions and the foolery of uh papa john shatner who of course you know is the uh the founder of papa john's and you know basically was a apo- uh, made up apologetic comments in terms of you know why uh, papa john used the n-word but man do i have some ether in regards to uh, jerry jones and uh, his well, flat-out hypocrisy when it comes to the anthem. Check this out.
1: Jones and his son Steven were saying the other day that any player who takes a knee and doesn't toe the line during the national anthem won't be playing for the Dallas Cowboys anymore. It's incredible to me that a player can beat up a woman and play for the Dallas Cowboys. A player can use illegal drugs time and time again and still play, but you take a knee to protest the racial injustice in America and now you've crossed a line that he will not allow. Jones loves and respects the national anthem so much that when it was being played before the start of practice Saturday, he left his cap on. And when he was told about the mistake he was making, he still left his cap on. He who makes the rules apparently doesn't have
2: to follow
0: them. That was Dallas uh, sportscaster, Dale Hansen uh, with the heat, with the straight up ether. But let me let me repeat this point, because I don't want this to be lost in the conversation. The cardinal rule in the United States of America is white supremacy. White supremacy has a problem with outspoken black folk. White supremacy sees black folks as two things, labor and entertainment. That's why it's so easy for white supremacy to appropriate black culture. as entertaining. But if you shift the conversation to police brutality or civil rights, now white supremacy wants you to shut up. They say things like stick to sports shut up and dribble because that shifts the conversation back to labor and entertainment. This is why the sociology and the racial dynamics of sports are so important because you have a working class of athlete caught in the middle of an oligarchy ownership class, mostly black athletes caught in the middle of this ownership class. Now, keep in mind when we talk about this ownership class, we're talking about a group of individuals who not only don't care about the players, they don't, they also don't care about the fans because we're talking about, Look, multi-million well no, not multi-millionaires, excuse me, billionaires who won't even come out of their own pockets to pay for stadiums. They uh, hold the fans hostage uh, to pay for these stadiums with taxpayer dollars and oh, if you don't want to pay for the stadium, then we'll uh uproot the team and move it somewhere else. And this is after, you know, fans have supported the team for 15, 20, 30, 40 years. Oh, if you don't want to pay taxes on this stadium, If you want if you don't want to foot the bill for us rich guys, then we're going to move this team that you love so much. So basically, the players are caught between the selfish rich guys and the selfish, predominantly white ticket paying audience that can't tell the difference between patriotism and political posturing. Let me make myself perfectly clear when I say that they can't tell the difference. If you remember, Trump first made those SOB comments about the NFL players at a political rally. Think about that. Why is the U.S. president weighing in on an entertainment league at a rally? It's simple. He's appealing to his base. You can find that voting minority between the owners and those that ticket paying audience. Now, imagine that a voting minority that has become the majority because of affluence, that is wealth and political scheming. And that is, of course, the I mean, that is basically what has happened in this country is that you have an affluent minority that has created this wave in the media, you know, this wave of bigotry, this wave of hate. And now they're really dominating the conversation politically, uh, socially and otherwise. Now, of course, there is that the backlash. And that is, you know, where podcasts like these and, you know, uh, uh, many other outlets are, are lashing out against what you know the Trump administration and you know just the 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 various injustices that we're seeing in this country, but that's that's basically the framework you know of what we're seeing now in the United States of America and sports is always a mirror, you know or, or sports in many ways is often a mirror to what we're seeing in this country. That takes us to Michael Bidwell, you know, who's <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna just call it I mean that dude is unapologetically. Uh, Republican and, you know, unapologetically, you know, boosted up, uh, Brett Kavanaugh, uh, for, uh, Supreme court. And of course, you know, Bidwell and his actions as the Cardinals GM inspired the name of the podcast Cardinal rule. So what I'm going to do for you now is I'm going to read this story that is actually from the Arizona Cardinals website, azcardinals.com. And this is from July 9th. It says Michael Bidwell backs classmate for Supreme court. Here's the lead. Michael Bidwell has known Brett Kavanaugh since they attended high school together. At Georgetown Prep outside Washington, D.C. among the class of 93, or excuse me, class of 1983, including their time as football teammates. Now that Kavanaugh was nominated by President Donald Trump to be an associate justice of the United States Supreme Court, Bidwill and his fellow Georgetown Prep alumni are reaching out to those deciding on Kavanaugh's candidacy, sending a letter vouching for his character. Kavanaugh will now go through confirmation in the U.S. Senate. So here you have an NFL team making a political statement, which is, basically what Colin Kaepernick was denounced and blacklisted for and here you have literally an NFL team ownership brass basically be, um literally reaching out to those deciding on Kavanaugh's candidacy sending a letter vouching for his character they are literally advocating for this candidate so that's from the Arizona Cardinals' uh, perspective uh, I like Deadspin's uh <laughs> article better or the the headline better and I actually can't say it over the air. It says Cardinals president Michael Bidwill is a condescending, hypocritical, um, s word. Here's their headline: uh, Arizona Cardinals president Michael Bidwill, who used his team site to support Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh, went on a conservative radio show to continue to push for his old high school pal. Bidwill also bellyache how unfair it is to be criticized for requiring the NFL players only protest or demonstrate where no one can see them. Bidwell, this knucklehead says, "quote This isn't about politics, uh, bruh. It's exactly about politics. You broke the golden rule. You broke the, 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 the. the, I should say the golden lie. Stick to sports. You know, where's all the folks who are mad at Cap by the letter of their argument? Literally by the standard that they set that, you know, has basically kicked Colin Kaepernick and Eric Reed out of the league. They should also be mad at Bidwell. And these people who." are not mad at Bidwell, are not angry because they're hypocrites and liars, period. Now, fortunately for you, and fortunately for me, quite frankly, I'm not going to spend this entire podcast talking about Donald Trump and Michael Bidwell and and folks of their ilk. That's not what I'm going to do here. And I'm not going to do that for a simple reason, because they're hypocrites. This isn't about the anthem. What I am going to do during the course of this podcast is is talk about the actual protest itself and the effectiveness of the, of the protests and you know, where, where we stand at at this point, you know, in 2018. Now for me personally, it's really disappointing to see how far we've gotten away from the actual reason for Kaepernick's protest. Again, he's challenging or or Kaepernick continues to challenge the lack of police accountability and veterans rights. During the height of Kaepernick's protests in 2016, you know, he spoke on a lot of different issues. He talked about voting, You know, he talked about the dangers of voting for the lesser of two evils. Now, I get it. You know, a lot of the original uh, context of the protest was lost because of the backlash of white supremacy and Trump's comments. Once Trump called the players SOBs, like the actual act of kneeling became like this whole anti-Trump movement or this whole uh, anti-Trump jester for some instead of the original intent. So what you had is you had some guys who were taking a knee because, you know, they were protesting social injustice, but you had other guys who were taking it just to kind of stick it to Trump and say, you know, you know, Trump's not going to punk us. Now, as a person who focuses on issues affecting black people, in my opinion, this was a very dangerous co-opt. And here's why. When the black athlete speaks out against social injustice, he does so on arguably the most recognizable platform in the United States. And and, and really, you know, worldwide. Not only is it recognizable it's one of the very few places where the black voice is at least acknowledged when athletes speak we listen and really it falls in the line of this country's celebrity worship that's why the black athlete's voice as an activist is so profound and when an athlete is willing to make a great sacrifice and i'm i'm almost tempted to say the greatest sacrifice but really uh, when they when they're willing to you know put themselves on the line in terms of their uh, his or her career it's even more telling Colin Kaepernick Eric Reed, Those brothers were blacklisted. Now, you know, Malcolm Jenkins is speaking out, you know, against social injustice. And he's, you know, saying all these anti-Trump things. And that's good. I mean, that's that's really good. But I have to judge him by the standard that Cap and Reed set and not just Malcolm Jenkins, but the rest of the players. And the question I have to ask Malcolm Jenkins and the rest of these guys is why didn't y'all stand with Cap? And I think that question can be extended to not only the players, but I think just the fans, just the people, you know, who watch the NFL is why didn't we stand with cap? And I think the answer is simple is because we're scared to lose our quality of life. I'm gonna dig into that real deep right here. Now that understanding that people, you know, don't want to lose their quality of life, whether it's, you know, things they like to do or their you know financial you know uh, wherewithal and their financial standing you know I, i reserve the right to be disappointed with the players but at the same time i empathize with the players because like this is a challenge that we face as black people this is this is part of that struggle is that we allow this country we allow the united states of america to treat us like second class citizens not only because we're scared and I say we as a community, and y'all know I, I that's why I say black people, and that's why it's so hard for me to identify with us as a black community because there's so many different viewpoints and ideas and struggles and separations and divisions, but there's a significant number of black folks who are scared to speak out against white supremacy, but then there's also the part of it where we're saying like this whole you know materialistic desire I saw that you know, I saw a lot of people on social media that was you know that were up in arms about the, some of the black pastors. And I'm hesitant to, I mean, I, I guess by the letter of, you know, who they are, their profession, they are black pastors. But a lot of folks said, well, you know, those guys were sellouts. And I'm inclined to agree, but how many of us, you know, sell out on these jobs? How many of us, you know, sell out our dreams, sell out on saying the things that need to be said. I mean, just for not even always financial gain, but just cause we're just, we're scared of offending people. There are certain truths that need to be expressed. And, you know, I commend the Colin Kaepernick's and the Eric Reed's of the world. And even by extension, you know, people who are maybe uh, activists who maybe speak to things on social media, who speak to things uh, in the community, because we're in very trying times right now where you put so much on the line where you make these commentaries. And I I really, you know, want you guys to to think about that, you know, while this record plays, we're going to go to commercial real quick. Um, it's a great joint by Wale, man. Fittingly named uh, Salary Cap. If you're in the car with your kids, you know, always do the parental advisory. You may want to go ahead and fast forward to 1745. Thank you for listening to Making a Difference.
3: I mean, people are dying in vain because this country isn't holding their God end of the bargain. Platform. Of, as far as, you no know, giving freedom and justice and liberty to everybody. It's something that's not happening. And I've seen videos, I've seen circumstances where men and women that have been in the military have come back and been treated unjustly by the country they fought for and have been murdered by the country they fought for
1: on our land. Run that track, run that back, soldier with military raps on deck Whole up level white boy tryna kill me, whole lot of melanin black don't crack And I'm in my bag, in my bag, I'm unapologetically forever pro-black No Nazi gonna stop this bag, infrared beam on confederate flag I ain't with the rhetoric, the president be on, forever with my niggas in the level that we on Count a million figures tryna put them for the city, put a bullet in a nigga, call me nigga wrong. wrong? Look, You a coward nigga, eat a dick, shout out leak I'm rockin' eatin' shit MMG, this is a DMV Free trail flock, eat a rest eat a Caled, nigga, we the best Cockadel, we need to speak a shit Rap a piece about that CTE and give Kappa, Nika, new team and check Right now, cause shit getting D4s right now. They killing our C's boy right now. So we gon' take a knee for we pipe down. Chalk D, chalk D, we gon' fight power. Chuck a deuce if he choosin' he not down. I just had a baby girl and I'm so proud that she so so smart and she so brown. I'ma hold Mike down. What are you about? West side going my ride doing suicides. West side am I ride playin' old pot. I sports talk over seven on the trade watch I'ma I am going to say course with a broad with a clear life, Knox With a broad with the shits cause she wrote too And she hate fake hoes with the bantu nah. Stop. Black is never going out of style. Look at Sniper, and LeBron, and then Lamelo. Then they get to Zion. I ain't even lying that a people person, but I do be having color people pride. But you need some vibes, need to see the vibe, nigga. Me or my People need to rise. I been see that I people be deprived. Unless you well endowed or you being white, you're a bad demon, green or white. Wallet open, bitch. I see it's wise. Get it. Uh. Run that back. Run that. back Soldier with military and on deck. Whole never, level white boys trying to kill me. Whole lot of melanin black don't crack in them in my back. In my back, I'm unapologetically forever bro. black. No Nazi gonna stop my back. Spread a whole magazine on a rare mega hat. Lying. Like,
0: Welcome back to Making a Difference. I'm your host, Ken Makin. Told y'all that was a dope record, man. I got more heat for y'all just in terms of like protest songs that, you know, really bigged up Kaepernick in, I mean, just (laughs) this, what Kaepernick did. I mean, I just, I really, I really can't speak to it enough, man. I'm just, I'm grateful for his example, but I'm also grateful that somebody with so much to lose, you know, spoke to spoke to those important issues um, or these important issues. I want to return to the point um, as we continue this conversation, um, I want to talk about the, the point of effective protests, because, you know, people ask where, whether kneeling has been effective. Um, to me, the goal of protest, I think that as it starts out is to bring attention to an issue and that to that effect, the mission is accomplished. You know, whether people maintain the integrity of that understanding is another matter. And when I say that, I mean. Blah, the idea of black lives matter that's what the essence of this protest was about. It was about saying, Hey, you know, um, uh, black people are overwhelmingly, you know, the victims of police brutality, you know, we're the the, uh, overwhelming victims of, of social injustice We're the, you know, overwhelming victims of piss poor policies, you know, when you, and when you try to counteract that by saying all lives matter, blue lives matter, different things like that, no black lives matter, period. Like, don't be afraid to say that. Don't try to sugarcoat that. Don't try to, you know, um, co-opt or, you know, disregard that movement. That's that's an important movement because it is it is the struggle of Black people in the United States of America since we were brought over on boats. You know, and I can, I've, I've said this, you know, many times on this show, you know, when you go from slavery to Reconstruction to Jim Crow to privatization of prisons to, you know, the war on drugs, not necessarily in that order. But even now, as we're, you know, looking at just, rampant poverty and, you know, still continue to deal with, you know, so many of our uh, brothers and sisters in jail. I mean, the, the, the struggle is real and the struggle has continued And you know, the struggle didn't end in the sixties. I mean, that struggle is is continuing now, even as we're, you know, fighting to try to secure and retain some of those rights that, you know, we were able to a- attain, you know, in the mid to late sixties, but effective protests and symbolism. I got to talk about the idea of of kneeling, you know, as it relates to to football, and I got to be totally honest, I, I, I've i always questioned the idea of kneeling in a sport where kneeling when you take a knee in football, it represents, you know, you're you're giving yourself up. You know, it's like, OK, I'm, I'm down. I'm down. Don't hit me. And I mean, I get it. I understand the intent and the history of taking a knee as a symbol of nonviolent protest. I just think, you know, that the symbol of men, you know, who play such an unforgiving collision sport should be more firm. I I love seeing Colin Kaepernick, you know, when he raised that black power fist. Matter of fact, it's uh I believe it's the it's the cover of the podcast. That was actually um he threw that sign up in a game against the Arizona Cardinals. That's why I chose that. Um but the black power fist when when players were, were raising that fist, Michael Ben, I think, was one of those guys who did that. And of course he's been in the news in the news recently for uh a, a hat that he wore, trolling Trump, saying that um the hat said uh, immigrants made American made America great. And as of course a slap in the face to uh, the MAGA, uh, you know, uh, make America great again, but the black power fist during the anthem was much more defiant. It also, to me, it spat in the face of the anthems racist lyrics. And if you don't know about the uh, star Spangled Banner and the racist lyrics and believe it's the third verse uh, very specifically, um, then you owe it to yourself to Google that, read that. And, Look, uh, conduct yourself accordingly. But as I, as I talk about kneeling in really just what I believe is an interesting paradox when it comes to not just NFL players, but I think football players in general, you have to look now on the one hand, you know, you're talking about men who play a violent game, but on the other hand, we have to talk about the conditioning of football players and not just only being conditioned to blood sport. They've been conditioned to submit to authority. Let me break that down. Um, it's literally been beat into football players from a young age, you know, aside from the brutal physical contact of football. And I, like, I've, I've changed my viewpoints on, on youth football so much, because I understand that it is such a violent sport and I don't think kids should be playing it. And, you know, I see these videos where it's like, Oh, this kid juke this other kid. And I mean, that's, you know, athletic since it's, it's entertaining in terms of athletics, but it always makes me think, you know, like what, you know, was, Ingrained or almost beaten into this child to, you know, to to create this you know, this idea of physical prowess. Because I've I've seen you know these coaches berate these kids who are five, six, seven years old, and then you know as I as I'm talking about that, you know, this is this is such a it's 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 a conversation that I I know is gonna you know is is gonna touch on and get people's attention because some people are going to say, well, you know, that's, that's, that's tough love. That's a, that's a part of the game. You know, if you have a coach, you may call you out of your name or, or push you around, but I'm gonna call that what it is. I mean, it's, it's child abuse. And so, but then here's the thing is that football players aren't only abused by coaches. They're abused by the system. High school football is a very lucrative, very lucrative industry. And it's an industry that uses child labor To make millions of dollars for a school system that makes, you know, millions of dollars for individuals. You have athletic directors now who make six figure salaries largely off of the successful efforts of football programs, which when you look at the labor force related to those football programs, you're talking about kids, 15, 16, 17, 18 year old kids. Now, meanwhile, you have kids, you know, who support the system, who live in, in some cases, Incre- like just incredulous, like just unforgivable poverty. And now, you know, except for the, the room and board piece, and you still have, you know, kids who are hungry on the college football level. And I mean, like this, I mean, you could say the same. I mean, I, you could take high school football and you could put college football in. College football is a lucrative industry that uses, you know, well, I mean, they're not, they're not kids anymore, but uses labor to make in some cases now billions of dollars. You know, for a school system, and again, football. You know, not just in the South, but just across this country, football is king. And so, you know, you have these football programs, and you know the the revenue that's generated from these programs facilitates not only athletic programs, but in some cases, you know, it really just you know supports some of the academic efforts at a school. And then so I have to and I'm always like always checking for code and stuff when people were talking about sports, because, you know, you have some folks that will say things like, man, I love I like college football and high school football better than I like the NFL. And they'll say things like, you know, the players are less entitled. Now, me personally, man, I interpret that as code for we like to be entertained with free and cheap labor. <laughs> I mean, that's just that's just how I take these conversations, man. I just I can't get into the respectability politics. Especially when it comes to, you know, people talking about players being entitled. I mean, the devil's a liar, man. Again, you got kids who from the age of five, six, seven have been trained and molded and conditioned and look abused <laughs> and, you know, disrespected and are woefully underpaid or not paid at all. And then so when they finally reach this pinnacle, you know, at 20, 21 years old, you're talking about kids who have been literally dragged through the ringer 15, 16 years. And to say that they don't deserve what they earn is asinine. And okay, they are millionaires. But then again, we never have these conversations about the owners who are billionaires. And there's a reason for that. And the reason is white supremacy and that supremacy can be crippling. And, you know, you kind of get to a point where it's like, even again, sports can mirror real life conditions. And so you see this downtrodden group of young men, Just like you may see a downtrodden community when you talk about, you know, African-Americans and you say, well, how can the spirit of protest exist in such a culture? But I think that's that's the silver lining in the black struggle is that out of poverty, heartbreak, injustice, brutality, you have people who rise up and who stand up and say there can be a better world there must be a better world if not for me for my kids and they stand up and they fight and they put everything on the line you know guys like colin kaepernick guys like eric reed jackie robinson kurt flood paul robeson speaking of paul robeson man i'm I'm reading a great book by howard bryant The heritage i would strongly encourage you know anybody uh, within the sound of my voice to pick that book up and read it man because it's like this podcast it touches on a lot of this a lot of the issues that i'm talking about in this podcast but i'm gonna go to another break here i'm gonna share this song with you guys again just another you know shout out to kaepernick um lupe lupe fiasco did a great record man and like as i'm doing this podcast like i literally just heard this song like maybe an hour ago man and like you ever just like hear a song and it just like kind of latches onto your spirit man and you just like you'll play that song like you'll play the cover off that song man like back in the day you know everything's like mp3s now you know what i mean but you ever just had a song you like so much and you had that cd bruh you play that song you'll play the paint off that cd man look be skipping and scratching you still you you tap you know tap the disc man but that's that's where i'm at with this joint by lupe man but when we come back um you know from from this record man i want to talk to you guys just about a a young man who you know very well who really just took on an awesome social and community responsibility man i really want to dig into that but enjoy this work by lupe again i'm letting you know about the parental advisory so fast forward to 3240 if you don't want to hear the cursing or you got kids in the car thank you guys love you guys appreciate you guys listening to making a difference ha,
4: ha! Why, you say wait i say wow
3: What up? I knew they was going to do that too. But it's all good though. We got to stand up for something. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Uh. Gravitons orbit around my halo space. Halo space. Little Debbie crumbs and potato flakes. Junkyard food needs 808s. Better say your grace. Stay your place. Play your bass. And wait on the upright writer, Send them niggas down like us. Rider. Fiber optics on high fiber. Move quick like that. No I go say shit like that. Magna Montandre rolling on a rubber, hit Virgin for the album, I was floating on the cover. I picked my car, They let a lad in. I was floating on the cover, made a message out of mess. Got them clothes off the floor, then taught them how to dress. Made a space so they can milk this way. Had them open off the udders. Broken off hat hat, folks in all colors. I wish a nigga would try and open y'all shutters. eight frames, Aoki on the shirt and the red and right chuckers Why you going on hard though? NASCAR star got bars by the carlo. You know LF1 to come out the top, but for this t and I'ma just open up the car though. In my deepness, I might spit the stash block sequence that I open up the cargo. If I break it down to your little homie, might get a nigga carto. You ain't gotta worry about ours though. Juggers like juggers, And I might drop skulls as an art show. K-Dot one stretch marks. I wanna own everything, that's west of the best parts. Crit everything from the legs down. Mickey facts, everything where the neck starts. Necklace, head of heart, go. Get set, mark up. Oh. Turn the mics up. Like a nigga robbed fight club, and the fuzz came through to indict us, but there's an inside job to decrease the supply, then turn around and drive all the price up, I be speaking it right, but it's hard to believe that people still believe that Jesus is white, oh Lord, I be speaking it right, but it's hard to believe that people still believe that Jesus is white, alright, alright, oh Lord to the mentally and it's not about natural ability you would think that cap took a shot on the statue of liberty god damn like we trapped in the memory untrue facts where black is the injury it makes me want to snap just slap me an enemy then go into the back and just rap to infinity Fuck. be more like chance solo acts be more like bands adversaries be more like fans bds and gds be more like fam i'm just fine for the summer women lie men lie and everybody lie about the numbers hard to be smart when the only thing on your mind's dying from a dumper i know i'm weird but nigga it's real you hear it from a nigga like Trump Talking to a nigga like you Hold on, Turn the mics up Like a nigga around Fight Club And the fuzz came through to indict us But as an inside job to decrease God discipline damn. Then turn around and drive all the price up i be speaking it right. right But it's hard to believe that people still believe that Jesus is white Hold on. Oh, no. oh, no. i be speaking it right. right It's hard to believe that people still believe that Jesus is white right. All right You're So, so, come out, so, 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 the
4: My name is Lauren Macon, and you are listening to Making a Difference with my handsome husband, Ken Macon. I am Gloria Frazier, and I have been your Georgia State Representative for House District 126 for over a decade. You have trusted me with this awesome responsibility since 2006, and I ask that you trust me once again with your vote in the general election on Tuesday, November 6th. I could tell you about the various committees I have served on in the State House or the recognition in the form of awards I have received. I would rather much talk about the importance of serving my community. Service that takes a shape in the form of a world-class cyber center and training facility here in Augusta, Georgia. $50 million have been allocated by the state in this facility, which will bring jobs and opportunities to Richmond County. Service that takes shape in the form of dedication to education and affordable health care. Service isn't just about buildings. It's about building up people, whether it's a child in pre-K or a senior citizen. That's why it's so important that you vote for me in November. Involve yourself in the political process, not just when you vote, but also informing yourself about what's going on in your city, your state, and this country. I am grateful for your support in the primary and for the past 13 years. Now I'm asking you to continue your support by re-electing me, Gloria Frazier, as your Georgia State Representative for House District 126. Paid for by the Committee to Re-elect, Gloria Frazier.
0: Welcome back to Making the Difference. I'm your host, Cam Making. Just, man, I'm... Um, I'm just, uh, I'm just so grateful, man, just to have this opportunity, man, just to, you know, have a dialogue and I call it a dialogue because I always encourage people, you know, if you're listening, you know, to this podcast, it's two things you can definitely do. I always enjoy comments and commentary. Um, Of course, you know, you're listening to this via SoundCloud. So uh, you can always, you know, comment on the specific podcast. Um, Of course, that's SoundCloud.com backslash making a difference. You know, share it with your friends, share it with your family. Y'all can have a dialogue about it as well. If you got comments, good or bad, definitely shoot uh, comment on again on the podcast. Here you can also, you know, if you want to see me shoot me an email, you can do that. It's making a difference show at gmail.com. That's making M-A-K-I-N a Difference Show at Gmail.com. We're also on Facebook. You can hit me up on the, on the Facebook page. It's facebook.com backslash making M-A-K-I-N a Difference Show. You know, you can hit me up there. Shoot me a message there as well. Um, I'm just, I'm grateful, man. Sometimes, you know, you know, you can think and say, well, you know, I wish X amount of people listen to the show, man. But as I'm sitting up here talking with you guys now, we got 50 followers on SoundCloud. I'm grateful for that. I'm, you know, grateful for more than 700 people who, you know, are currently following the page here, or making a difference on the on the Facebook page. If you feel like it should be more followers, if you feel like it should be more um listeners to the podcast by all means share it man let people know that's um that's how media works man i mean it's one of those things where speaking of that man shout out my man don't do, man don't do, that's my that's my brother man like if y'all just y'all just don't know that's my dude man like um like just really just like a an amazing supporter uh, of the podcast but this dude you know steady calling me the people's chant man and we just kind of you know chuckle about that man but like I i really do like, when you, when you, you know, when people say that, man, I take that, I don't take that lightly, man. I take that as something where, you know, like I said, I just have an opportunity to, to speak to people honestly and openly, man. Um, like I said, I'm not, I'm not above uh, reproach or rebuke, man. I have conversations with you guys. Um, not so much mix it up, man, but I just feel like they're, they're healthy debates and healthy dialogue, you know, on Facebook, you know, uh, on SoundCloud, if need be, man. But at the end of the day, man, it's about just, you know. People who have a collective interest in about, you know, making, you know, this world a better place. And, of course, that starting, you know, locally or not even locally, starting with you, the individual. But um, I've digressed. Uh, We are talking about um, we've gotten away from Cardinal Rule. We've talked more about protests. But as we close out the podcast, I want to talk about the young man who I was speaking about before the break. That young man, of course, is one uh, LeBron R. James. Um, And you guys may have heard that he opened up a school, a public school. Uh, in uh, Akron, Ohio, in his native Akron. So proud that he was able to do that. Um, just so many services that are provided. It's, it's a school that I think LeBron made it a point to want to create a family atmosphere. Um, I'm actually, you know, I, I'm going to let LeBron kind of talk about the school in his in his own way. So you guys check this out.
2: As a kid from uh, Akron, Ohio, myself, um, I remember... Walking these same streets. I remember walking North Street, West Market. I remember walking behind here on Crosby Going to Harris Elementary uh, riding my bike throughout the rest of the city um, So when people ask me why why a school? Um, that's part of the reason why because I know exactly what these 240 kids are going through um, I know the streets that they walk. I know the trials and tribulations that they go through. I know the ups, the downs. I know everything um, that they dream about. I know all the nightmares that they have, because uh, because I've been there. Um, I know exactly what they're going through. So, you know, they're the reason why this school um, is here today.
0: One of the great things about this particular school and what LeBron is trying to accomplish. I mean, the the fact that it's a public school is is so great, but uh, LeBron and and his team, you know, have made a conscientious effort to, you know, really dig into, I think, just the socioeconomic conditions uh, of Akron, you know, some of the things that these kids are facing. And that's kind of what LeBron alluded to, you know, about knowing, you know, where they're coming from and, you know, knowing about their dreams and knowing their their nightmares and and different things like that. And that, that certainly, you know, is is commendable and. As, you know, kind of springboarding off of that, I'm, I want to present two challenges. The first challenge that I want to present is for people to grow up. <laughs> and when I say for people to grow up, I mean people can't separate what LeBron James is doing with it. Some are not able to. Let me make that perfectly clear. Some are not able to differentiate between what LeBron is doing with the school and what LeBron may or may not have done on the basketball court. And those are two totally different conversations. I mean that for LeBron stands and LeBron, like just extreme fans. And I mean that for like LeBron's haters. Like, I really need y'all to understand that. Like, and it's really the spirit of this entire podcast is that sports is a mirror, but we can't let sports become bigger than some of the real issues that's going on locally. That's going on, you know, in this country that's going on, in this world and so when you try to tell me well okay you know it's cool that LeBron did this school but LeBron's not the GOAT like that's not important to me like I don't need a qualifier to be able to say whether this is a great thing LeBron did or not based on sports like that's that's foolishness man like we gotta we gotta get outside of that man like just say hey LeBron did a great thing, period, man. When you talk about a guy who basically when you and this is leading into the second challenge, like this dude took his money, his money. Let me make that clear, his money. And basically, in, in some ways, like facilitated something that really is, in my opinion, a government standard, because what LeBron implemented in terms of like creating that, that schools like creating that, creating that school and creating that educational standard is something that as taxpayers, we should be demanding from our elected officials and that we should be demanding from our government. I mean, so many of us have seen that school. We've shared the photos and we're just like, wow, this is so amazing. But guess what? That should be the standard of education for every single child in this country. Like education should be like whatever, social economic condition you come from for better or for worse when you come in that when you come into a learning environment when you come into a school you should have the same opportunities as anybody else and that doesn't happen in this nation's schools period and a lot of it doesn't happen because of the failures of government now i know some people are going to say well you know, what about their parents? And y'all know how I feel about that. I'm you know, and I don't without making this too much of a conversation about education, I'm a fan of mandate and parental involvement. Definitely. Like you parents have to be involved in the process of, of teaching kids. I also understand that when it comes to in terms of allocating funds and resources, governmental responsibility trumps personal responsibility when it comes to allocating those resources simply because government has more money to work with and so i look at lebron james who obviously is a multi-millionaire but still you know when we look at it in terms of taxpayer funds and education things like that like lebron having finite resources to be able to accomplish what he accomplished imagine if we held government to that same standard to say okay this is what you need to be doing How powerful would that be if people stood up and and demanded better policy, demanded, you know, better standards for education? Understand something. All you guys listen to the podcast. If you're a taxpaying citizen, understand that the bulk of your tax dollars, education is taking the, the, the lion's share of that. What are you getting in return for that? What are you getting in return for that? And that's the spirit of so many conversations that we have on this podcast is, you know, just asking the individual, asking, you know, saying, hey, if government is not working for you, what are you going to say about that? What are you going to do to inform yourself, to inform the people around you about how we can make things better? It's great to have conversations about LeBron James. This brother has done has done things in the last two to three months to. Ensure not only a financial destiny for himself, which he's done that millions of times over, but to just provide a shining example in terms of being a humanitarian, in terms of being a community activist, in terms of being a father—just the great examples that he set. And still to understand that even with these examples, that there's so many things that we need to speak out, you know, and speak out against, and say, "Hey, these things can be better." Like that's that's really just the spirit of what this podcast is about, man. really what you know we really what as individuals we should be pushing for and challenging and with that man i'm going to close out this podcast again share the commentary man need y'all man need y'all support i really do i'm grateful for the support um for the support that i have obviously i know some of you guys man look soon as y'all get the podcast y'all are following it man y'all are sharing it man i got so much love for y'all man I just um, I really do see like just this podcast is growing, man, to like just some uh, uh, just I don't know, man, just just higher heights, man. And just informing people and just getting more, you know, more conversations, more um, discussions, just more opportunities, more announcements. I know people are doing back to school. By the way, if you're listening to this and you got a back to school um flyer that you want to want to share on the page, by all means, share that, man. We'll get that information out for sure. But with all that said, man, I'm gonna go ahead and sign off, man. Um love y'all. Love y'all, love y'all. I promise I do, man. So much, man. Peace and God bless.
3: You win perfect.